Well, in our Old Testament reading this morning, we have revealed in the Bible one of the uh, great and lasting characteristics of God. And we see in Isaiah 55 uh, an invitation to come to the Lord, an invitation to come to God, to seek God while he may be found. Uh, God is revealed as one who does not say, go away. But here in Isaiah 55, we see echoed in the work and life of Jesus in the gospel, we hear a God who says, come to me. And Isaiah, will, uh, Isaiah, Ashley will read from Isaiah 55 for us. Thank you. I'm reading from Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 7. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may, be, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you, will not, you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One. Oh, there it is. The, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. This is the word of the Lord. And our New Testament reading is from Luke chapter 14. And I invite you, as you wish, to uh, turn to that in whatever version you may have. And we'll walk through this passage together this morning. Luke chapter 14, and starting at verse 15. When one of those at the table with him, that is with Jesus, heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And sir, the servant said, what, will, uh, what, you, done, what, what you ordered has been done, but there is still uh, room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the country, the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. 
Let us bow down, let us pray. Gracious Father, in all the words that we've heard in the last few days, will you silence them, we ask, and will you grant that through the preaching of your word we may hear your word for us. Silence in us, Lord, any voice but your own. And guide my words and guide our listening and speaking that we may hear what you want us to hear and will for us through your word this morning. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. One of the greatest banquets ever recorded in world history is the marriage banquet that happened in the year 1600. It was a wedding between the Medici family in Italy and the king of France. This goes down in the history books, and you can look it up as the Medici wedding, as one of the most extravagant, lavish banquets ever recorded. They took over a whole area in the city in which they were in Florence, and they put up tents and banners. The whole banquet, as you read about it, was in, uh, in the spirit of a theatrical event. Tables were laden with food, but there were hedges and trees and fountains brought into the uh, space where they had this banquet. There were over 50 courses served. Imagine, 50 courses of food, one after the other. There was, there was sherbet brought in, honey and milk sherbet, which was a delicacy at the time. And when the guests, 300 of them, all from over Europe, gathered at this amazing, luxurious, lavish banquet feast, they opened the napkins that were all at each of their places. And as they opened their napkins, live songbirds flew out and sang over their heads. One of the most lavish banquets in history that we have recorded. Well, today we hear a story about Jesus at a table with uh, some guests and some people, and he tells a parable, a story about a banquet. And as we look at these verses, we're just going to be getting into the theme, which is in our sermon series that we're walking through right now called Jesus, Savior to Lost People Everywhere. Uh, this is this morning about kingdom invitations about invitations to a banquet. And what we'll find, I think, among other things in this story is that Jesus is teaching the people at the table that he's sitting with that the things that gain us entry to banquets in this life are not necessarily the things that will gain us entry to the banquet in the kingdom of God. And as we walk through these verses, we'll look at the setting We'll look at the uh, parable that Jesus tells, which uh, is the, uh, he starts with the invitations, and then we'll have the excuses, then we'll have the outcome, and finally we'll have the lost opportunity. So as I said, this story starts in Luke chapter 14, verse 15, with Jesus at a table. And it's a bit of a meal that he's having, we learn, in the beginning of this chapter with some Pharisees and some other religious leaders of the time. And this is kind of a tense, family, a tense meal. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a tense dinner table. Maybe you've been at a dinner table somewhere and someone has shared something or has said something and you can just feel like the energy in the room leave and the, the whole thing kind of shrink in tension and awkwardness. And this is kind of what's happening in Luke chapter 14. Jesus, we're told, is at a table with Pharisees and he, they want to 
we, we learned at the beginning of this chapter 14, we, we learned that they're watching Jesus. And they invite him to this meal kind of to check him out. And Jesus kind of makes the scene more and more awkward as it goes. He talks to them. He, he heals somebody at the beginning of the feast and talks to them about mercy. And then he's sitting there with all the elites and famous people, religious leaders, and he talks to them about what good manners are at a banquet around verse 7. He says, when you go to a banquet, don't take the best place because it might not be for you. Instead, take the worst place. He says, because those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He talks about manners at a banquet. And then this is getting a bit awkward for those around him. They're thinking, who, 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 who am I? who's Jesus talking about here? And then he talks about the motivation for holding a banquet in the verses just before this. And he says, when you hold a banquet, don't invite the people who can repay you. Don't, when you hold a banquet, don't do it so that you're getting something back out of it in a reciprocal kind of way. He says, when you hold the banquet, invite those who can never repay you. And if you do that, he says, you're getting an idea, a taste of what the kingdom of God is like. About the free righteousness given that will be given in the cross. Well, the people around the table at this point are kind of shuffling their feet. They're twiddling their thumbs. They're getting a bit nervous because, of course, they are in a situation that we read in the Gospels where they are quite sure about how things will work in the kingdom of God, and they are quite sure about who will be entered into the kingdom of God and who will be welcomed at the final banquet feast of the Lord God Almighty and who will not. And Jesus is kind of poking at them now uh, some, some kind of, holes in, in where, where they may be thinking that rec recognition, that status, that outward things may guarantee them a seat. And someone at the table here in verse 15 kind of tries to break the tension a little bit. Jesus, don't be quite so serious. Jesus, don't be quite so deep here. Don't, don't, don't be trying to teach us something that may cut to our hearts. And a man at the table, we don't know who he is, just a man who maybe he was the class clown, we don't know, the joker who tries to always break the ice, says out loud after hearing these kind of warnings from Jesus about entry into the kingdom of God, he says, uh, blessed, this man says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Which is kind to say, oh, Jesus, hey, there's some difficult things you're talking about, about the great final banquet, who will be in and who will be out. But let's just talk about some nice things. There will be a day when we'll all be at the feast. How blessed a day that will be. And the man is kind of just saying some religious stuff, isn't he? He's saying some nice things. He's uttering some kind of general things about the future where everything will be kind of nice. And Jesus, can we just tone this meal down a bit? It's a little bit intense. But Jesus doesn't ease the situation. He doesn't dial it down. Uh, Jesus, can we just save this banquet? The food is nice. Can we just get on with this and talk about something nice like the maple leaves or the raptors or whatever? No, Jesus goes a lot deeper and tells them all a story about a great banquet. Well, it's a story that starts with the invitations. There's a man 
the parable that Jesus tells starts, who holds a great banquet. It's a banquet laden with food. It's a wealthy citizen in an area, and he invites many, many guests. And in the time of Jesus in the ancient Near East, if you wanted to hold a banquet, you would, hold, you would give out two invitations. It would be a double RVSP, respond s'il vous plaît. The first one would be you would send out people saying, hey, in a week or so, I'm going to have a banquet and you're invited. Say yes or no. And they would say yes. And they'd come back and say, the first invitation went out and we have X number of people. And then custom would be you'd send out a second invitation when the food is ready. When the banquet's ready, when the tables are all laying out there, then you send the second invitation out and say, you said yes, you're going to come a week ago. And now, by the way, it's all ready Come, and we see that in verse 17. Uh, he says, send out the servants, and, and the master says to say, come, for everything is now ready. The feast is set. The table's laden. The work has been done. The food has been brought. The nourishment's at the table. The feast is starting. It's all been laid out for you, says the master. Come. And that's the second invitation. Everything's hot, dinner's ready. Well, it's all set up. And the second thing that we find that happens in the parable is the excuses. And we see in verse 18, they all alike began to make excuses. And we get three different excuses. Oh, the ones who previously said they were coming and accepted the invitation... They now opt out from coming. The ones who said they'd be there, I've cleared my calendar, I'm getting this all sorted out, it's a priority for me to attend, They're all, they've all now opted out. They're not coming anymore. What kind of excuses do they give? Well, they give feeble and flimsy excuses. <laughs> the first one is, I bought some uh, land, I've got to go see it. How, how, much, how often has anyone ever bought a piece of property somewhere without ever seeing it. I mean, what's he, what's he talking about? It hardly makes any sense. The second one is the guy has just gone to buy his Ford F-150 or his Dodge, five yoke of oxen, his labor machines. He's a pretty rich guy because usually you only need two, one set of oxen for the average landowner, but he wants five. And he's bought them, he says, and now I'm on my way to try them out. What, you, you bought the truck and you didn't even drive it? What kind of excuse is that for... What are you talking about? You're making this up. And the third one is, well, I just got married. Uh, I can't come to the banquet. I just got married. What do you mean? The whole point of getting married is you bring your wife with you to the banquet. It's free food. It's a free party. Come on. What are you talking about? All three of them say the same thing in, in essence, don't they, to the master. They say there are other things that matter to us most more than your banquet. Uh, they don't take the invitation of the master seriously. We see three people here in the story Jesus tells who are, who are trifling, who are joking around, who are showing indifference to the great master's invitation to the banquet with false and valueless excuses. We read in Matthew 13 about how the things of this world have such an allure and such an attraction 
that if people hear the faith and hear the good news, the cares of this world can choke us, can surround us, can carry us away, and we can no longer be serious about the invitation of God. Are any of us this morning trifling with the living God? Well, we have the invitations, we have the excuses, and then we have, I can't read my writing, we have the outcome. They don't all rhyme this week, no apologies there. What's the outcome? Well, the master has had this big uh, banquet, and people who said they were going to come, none of them are showing up anymore, and uh, food's on the table, it's hot, everything's laid out, the wine's been poured, and so what happens? The servants come back and say, look, master, they've all said no. They all have other things they, that are more important to do than come to your banquet. They all have really respectable kinds of things they've said that sound really important and really good and really central to their lives without, that they cannot live without. <laughs> and what does the owner do? Does he postpone the banquet? Does he cancel it? Does he put on, you know, whatever, social media? Banquet has been postponed two weeks, just hold on. Everything's set out. The servants are there. The tables are ready. He said, come for everything is ready. They have the most beautiful things on trays that you can imagine to eat. You can smell that feast. You can see the wines poured. Is he going to put it all away? No, we learn that the master of the house talks to his servants and says, look, this party's going on. This feast is happening. These tables at my banquet must be filled Hey, the feast is on. Everything's ready. And so we see in, this, in, the, in the master's response, we see, you've heard that phrase, like nature abhors a vacuum. You've heard that phrase, nature abhors a vacuum. We almost see in this particular part of the outcome is that the grace of God abhors a vacuum. Here's this gracious table, this gracious invitation to feast on the finest of delights that the master is providing. And, and people will be there. The master will what? He will search people out. So what does he do? God's grace will be known. What does he do? He says, tell the servants, go out wider. Find the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame, he says. These are the, the category of people that we learned in Luke chapter 4 that were going to be central to the ministry of Jesus. Go find the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who from worldly standards, from our own rational thinking, would think they would not be part of the ministry of Jesus or even be part of a banquet like this one. Those who would, would not be buying land or whatever, all the things others were doing. He says, go and find them. The table still got room. The servants come back and say, there's still room at the table, master. He says, go out wider again, not only to the streets and the alleys, but go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them even further to come in. What is Jesus saying here about this strange outcome to the meal? People you never would have thought might be there. What's Jesus saying about the heavenly banquet, about the banquet of the kingdom of God, about entry into the kingdom of God? One of the things he's saying is that those who recognize themselves ultimately as poor and crippled and unable and in a situation of need, all of us, anyone who sees themselves in that category of life as in need and ultimately poor in spirit, 
and ultimately broken by sin and death, he says it's those people who will be at the banquet. We see in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul pick up this theme in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 when he says, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Jesus says in the end of this parable about the lost opportunity, I tell you, not one of those who were invited to the banquet, sorry, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Bit of a warning, isn't it, about a, about a lost opportunity. Jesus like those who were previously invited and, and who said yes, but then made excuses, uh, uh, will never, they think they'll gain admission, but, but they won't. They'll be refused. How harsh a word is that? Oh, we see that picked up in the New Testament with words of regret. In Matthew, words of gnashing and grinding of teeth, of sadness. We'll never taste my banquet. We see it picked up in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus says, I never knew you. What's Jesus trying to say here? This is not a pleasant kind of family message meal. Can you feel the tension around the table in that house building even now? <laughs> We're th- the people at the table are thinking, am I one of those who will never taste the banquet? Lord, what are you saying? They came with their finery to the meal. Didn't get them anywhere. They came full of their, themselves and their positions and their authority, and Jesus swept the whole table off in front of them. Money, status, might not give us entry to a lot of places except heaven. Our only prerequisite, Jesus is, trying, is saying here, and I hope we can understand it, the only prerequisite for entry into the kingdom of God, for coming onto the banquet table, for being there on the last day, is recognizing our own need of a Savior. Is recognizing our own lostness. Is recognizing that without him, we have nothing. That's, that's all Jesus is saying. Those who come into the kingdom must bring Well, I want to spend a few minutes applying this to our lives. If you could, just a, another hour or so. But there's two kind of main applications to this story. One of them is the immediate application in the context of Luke. And in that immediate context of Luke, Jesus is sitting at the Pharisee's house among religious leaders. And there is an immediate application that we need to not skip over that Jesus is talking to those in one sense who have heard the first invitation of the prophets in the Old Testament, saying, here comes the Savior, the mighty counselor, the almighty God. And Jesus is questioning whether they have heard that first invitation. And Jesus himself in this immediate context will become and is and has come 
as God's, as the, in the second invitation, in the parable, God's final invitation to the, to the banquet. And in a way, Jesus is challenging that group historically immediately about what they have heard and what they haven't. It's also another application around the wider call of the gospel of Jesus Christ for all of us today. The wider call of Jesus to the kingdom of God and the banquet of God. So can I ask us this morning as we try to apply this right into our very lives, how serious are you about the invitation of God? How serious are you about the invitation of the living God to the banquet? Are there things in our lives that are more important right now? Do we find ourselves uh, making excuses, like really good excuses, for not surrendering our lives every day to God? Are we trifling with the living God? Are you trifling with the living God if you really thought about it? Who says, come to me, believe in me, live for me, surrender to me, feast with me. The supper's ready of eternal food. Are you saying to God Almighty, who has sent his son Jesus, I cannot come? And maybe we've been in the church a long time, and there was a time when we thought, man, I'm going to I'm going to be at the banquet. I'm going to come to the banquet. And, and maybe we're in a place of just wandering and lostness in some way. And so glad that you're here this morning if that's your situation. Maybe, maybe that's not, maybe you don't feel that as acutely. But what are we saying to God whose characteristic is, come to me, invitation? Are we saying, I cannot come, I cannot surrender? My life is in my own hands. You find us today sitting with the Pharisees in the story. As Jesus was really challenged. Maybe we're not even as vague as that. Maybe this morning we've made some kind of heart decision to reject the invitation of God. This Christianity thing makes no sense. I can't make dice of this part of Christian faith. I'm throwing the whole thing out. I can't make sense of this part of the Bible. I'm throwing the whole thing out. I am too smart for this thing called Christianity or a Bible that gives us transcendence, truth from, that is the truth of God. Maybe we're just rejecting that this morning. I'm just fine the way I am. Charles Spurgeon told a story famous preacher in London about going down to the London docks and talking to a man, hey, he was a business owner, a ship owner, and said to him, hey, how's the state of your soul? And the man said to him, state of my soul? I'm way too busy taking care of all of my ships to worry about the state of my soul. To which Spurgeon said to himself, walking back along the docks, but he's not too busy to die. Are you among the poor? the lame, the blind? Do you see yourself as broken before God? 
Do you see yourself as having nothing else, no other hope in this world? Do you have no other invitation in this world? Do you realize, are you in a place where you, you get it, that there's no other invitation in this world or thing that I can do that will bring me to the banquet table of God in the last day, entry into the kingdom of God? Are you there and do, do you realize that? If you are realizing that you are a lost and needy sinner and there is no other hope for you or me, then there's good news. There's a lot of room at the table Jesus is inviting us to this morning, if that's the case. Well, it's interesting that Jesus, I think, changes the language in this parable at the beginning from the banquet or a banquet to my banquet. And I wonder how many of us in church, world, or wherever we may be coming from, actually think about experiencing the banquet of God. I mean, he's talking about a banquet after all, not a funeral. <laughs> I mean, the image here for the gospel is not a funeral, dirge, uh, sadness. It's a banquet. It, we can't get around this passage without having to say God wants us to experience it. How much knowledge is in our head about God, about Christianity, about the Bible? That's important, obviously, yes, but can I ask you this morning, have you experienced the goodness of God? I'm going to give you a long quote. Here it comes. John Owen, longest quote ever. Can I read that from here? Famous Puritan, moreover, be not contented to have right notions of the love of Christ in your minds unless you can attain a gracious taste of it in your hearts no more than you would be oh no more than you would be to see a feast or banquet richly prepared and partake of nothing of it into your own refreshment it is of that nature that we may have spiritual sensation of it in our minds whence it is compared by the spouse to flagons of wine we'll get there we may taste that the lord is gracious and if we do not relish have a relish of it in our hearts, we shall not long retain the notion of it in our minds. It goes longer. I'm not going to read that. Christ is our meat and our bread. How many of us have tasted of the banquet of God? Have you heard of the Old Testament passage in Song of Songs that points us to the relationship of Jesus and his church? When it says, he brings me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is, do you know the end of that? That's a verse in the Bible. He brings me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. Have you experienced the sweetness of the love and fellowship of Jesus that it says his love is better than wine? Have you experienced the safety that Jesus offers the believer, each of us, when it says his banner over me, the protection of Jesus, how we can run to him in whatever situation we may have or be in. Have you experienced the support of Jesus? His banner over me is love. It says his hand is under my head in a few verses later. Have you experienced the hand of Jesus under your head as part of his church, as his bride? Have you experienced not only in your head, but in your very heart and living the great love affair with Jesus that is Christianity? You can't have it, we can't have it just in our heads. 
Jesus doesn't compare the kingdom of God to a classroom or an academic lecture. He compares it to a banquet where people eat and drink and are fed and are nourished. Maybe I'm going too far here, but can you imagine with me for a minute being at the banquet of God? Can you imagine the thankfulness of being in the palace of the king at the table of the Lord God Almighty? I can hardly believe I'm here, Lord. I can hardly believe I'm at your table. (laughs) Hallelujah. Can you imagine the joy of the banquet? (laughs) Lord, I cannot believe I'm here. What joy. I was poor and you made me rich. I was sick and you made me well. I was blessed. I was, I, was, I was bloodied and you made, you made me well again. I was condemned and you pardoned me. How wonderful. Can you imagine the glory of that banquet? How strange that banquet is that those who should not have been there by worldly standards are there at the banquet of the king. How unique and unusual and unparalleled it is that God would be seeking after the lost, after those who see the great news, news. Well, the last thing I, w- I want to say is about what the master says in, in the parable. He says, come, everything is ready. And I want to ask, have we heard that invitation from the master? Everything is ready. You might have other things in your life that are ready. They're not ready. The invitation to the banquet is ready. All of the redemption, all of the power, all of the work of Jesus, all all the work for eternal life, all the power, all the dominion, all the glory, all the mightiness is his. The Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. As you read in Colossians, Christ is all and all. Have you heard the invitation come for everything's ready? Do you find yourself struggling in your life for direction each day, each week? Where is my life headed? What's going on? What decisions am I going to make? Here's the one that matters the most and that only matters in the end. If we've heard the invitation of God to the feast of his salvation, there's rejoicing for you there. There's celebration for you there. There's love for you there. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us, that that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's meant to be the, the greatest joy for each one of us. Our life may go this way and that way and the other way, but this is the invitation that matters, the only invitation that matters. The strange thing about this story, the weird thing about this story We often see this in the Bible. The weird thing in the story is that the man in verse 15 with which we start this story who tried to do the icebreaker, remember him? The guy who was so tense and he tried to break the ice. The funny thing is he had come to the end of this parable. He actually gets it right. He actually got it right. Blessed is the one who will eat and feast in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we thank you for the promise of union with Jesus. We thank you for your word, which says in that day, 
you will know I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And how badly, Lord, we, we do wish to be present at the final banquet of the marriage feast of the Lamb. And how we thank you, Lord, that through Jesus, your invitation is good, that your invitation is true. Lord, will you renew that sense of our response to you every day? Will we renew that sense of longing and desire to come with empty hands and to enjoy the feast of salvation that Jesus offers? For we pray in his name. Amen.